the people who run in the conglomerates, the senior managers here, the decision makers at the big corporates, they're reading the business section of the newspapers. And as you think, right, there's a lot of sentiment versus science. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of bias. It's always crazy. Like the amount of people that stop me in the streets and be like, hey, you're so-and-so. I read your article every Thursday. And I'm like, damn. But that will never show up anywhere because the people who are watching TV, the people who are listening to the radio, the people who are reading the papers might never follow you on digital. Podcast World, welcome to another episode of The Value, the language of business for those of you looking to build or invest in companies that are scalable and highly valuable. I'm your host, Kevin Valley, and today we are talking about digital payments with somebody who's definitely not a stranger to the podcast. Somebody has been on the podcast, what, one, two, three, four times. In 2018, we did two episodes with him on Let's Talk Mobile. In 2019, we did an episode on digital entrepreneurship. In 2020, we had we had him featured alongside Dr. Shellyan Gajada as we spoke about the Insider's Guide to Digital Business. And most recently, this year, 2023, he had me on the radio. I was on the radio, guys. We were talking on the Digital World Radio Show, and I was interviewed by digital marketing and e-commerce specialist, podcast host, radio show host, newspaper and TV guest contributor, Digipreneur and Digiboss, Ketron Rose! Hey! hey. <laughs> he brought his soundtrack. He brought his soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the value, my brother. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. How you been, man? How you been? I've been good, man. I've been good. You know, it's it's you know, it's such a it's such a blessing, man. It's such a blessing to to see your journey and uh, you know to have such a, a close look at it because i know you and i would have connected originally in 2018 when we did that podcast and we stayed pretty close um ever since yeah. you know you helped me get that become investable website off the ground um you've been on each other's platforms a number of times yeah man it just is it's been so great to see how how your brand has grown and how your focus has grown over the years you know i went when we met you were talking about mobile you know you're mr droid you were selling android phones you told everybody in the caribbean what huawei is how to spell it <laughs> all right and then in 2019 it seemed like you pivoted a little bit you know you said all right i'm i'm no longer mr droid forget that i am now digi digipreneur you even changed your last name you know so <laughs> you even changed your last name <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants to hear about that journey, you can check out episode 55. Um, it's called Digital Entrepreneurship 101. But Karen, yeah, man, talk to us about that journey into the digital marketing and e-commerce space. Like, what, in, what inspired you to, to go into that space? What inspired you to start covering folks like the WePays and the first Atlantic commerce of this, um, of this world? Oh man! Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me, and it's it's just crazy to to even hear that yo we have been doing work together since 2018. That feels like just yesterday, 
but at the same time, a long time ago because so much has happened in between. So that's, that's really dope. Um, but how we got into where we are at today is, has really been because of the people, like legitimately because of the people. I was minding my business talking about smartphones and technology and teaching people about that. And to be honest, I was good there, right? I mean, I've been in the telecom space since I was 19. Um, and I've always enjoyed technology and whatnot. And in building the Droid Island brand, um, having to learn web development, having to learn SEO, to build my blogs and learn how to, learning how to get my message across and gain visibility. When I wanted to start to sell the products, I had to learn how to sell online. I had the brick and mortar store, but when I was creating all the content and getting the, um, the, the, uh, the brand deals to create content and do workshops, I realized I was not really in the store anymore and I needed to be, I was everywhere else except for the store. And in closing the store, people still kept asking how, would, how to buy the product. So I had to learn e-commerce. I had to go deeper into digital marketing to be able to sell online and all of these things. So in learning about e-commerce, right, there was no, and we were talking about this before, but the, the lack of information to do anything in the Caribbean is astounding, right? It is absolutely astounding. So there was almost no information on how to really build your brand digitally online in the Caribbean. It's different because the tools, the platforms, how things work are different in the Caribbean. How to sell online, there was almost no information, almost none. Matter of fact, there was none, right? And I had to network with all the players that, were, that had a tool with respect to e-commerce, I had to personally network with these people to get information and go through the entire process myself. So once I went through the process, once I got my brand online and my business website was there and, and you were able to purchase products online through credit cards, through, um, through the paywise system, when I was doing all of this, I made the switch. System, I'm sorry. Paywise. Oh, paywise, okay, yeah. Paywise, right? So what I was doing, so in learning everything, right, it got to the point where people were noticing, people seen the brand, right? But people started to ask me more questions about, hey, how did you build a website? How are you selling online? How are you taking credit card payments? How are you able to sell via the lotto booth? How are you doing all these things? Who is doing it? Who has built this thing for you? And I had to tell everybody, I'm like, like I built everything. Like I had to build everything from scratch. I had to get all the information. I'm putting everything together for myself. There is nobody else. And people just kept asking the how. How are you doing this? How are you doing this? And then it got to a point where coming into 2019, so December 2018 for my birthday, I launched KarenRose.com to, to start talking about just my entrepreneurship journey, moving from Canada, coming to the Caribbean and doing my thing. But going into 2019, the questions of how I built the business, the nuts and bolts of the business, everything related to online, that started to outpace the questions I was getting about, hey, I want to buy a smartphone. What's the best phone for me and blah, 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 blah. So instead of using my platform to talk about my personal journey or whatever, um, I started to use that platform to put all the e-commerce and marketing information out to the public on that channel and that was like almost like a new lease on life because 
the traffic from Droid Island, well, that was good. The traffic from to the Karen Rose website really grew. And what solidified the change for me was I remember this one particular gentleman stopping me in Starbucks. And you know, we used to sit down in Starbucks and, and I remember a guy stopped me in Starbucks and this man just pulled me aside. He said, wait, Karen Rose? I'm like, yeah. He's like, nah, I got to buy you a coffee. We need to talk. And I was like, all right, well, okay, cool. So we sat down and he starts telling me about the problems that he's been having, how he had to, he lost his house. The business was going belly up because he's been in the red. He can't afford it. And he's like, he watched a video that I did talking about um, WePay and e-commerce and PayPal. And he was able to figure out how to start getting paid from uh, from companies or, or, or clientele outside of Trinidad. And homeboy started breaking down crying because he's like, yo, you saved my life. He's like, you, that information that you put out saved my life. I don't know where I was going because we're just about to lose the house. The business is going belly up. And that information to start getting paid from outside, from outside clients changed everything for me. Nobody has ever told me something that impactful in Droid Island. Nobody ever said to me, hey, you know, the phone that you told me about saved my life. It never happened. It never happened, man. Never had, never came close. Never came close. And I've had some stories of Droid, like I remember, like the, I think the most, the, the, cra- the, the, the craziest story with Droid Island was like somebody lost their parents and their phone had crashed and they had no idea how to get the pictures they had taken of the last moments of losing their, of losing their parents, right? And helping them brought them to tears. But that was, that was because of that specific moment, right? With e-commerce, the stories that people come to me with, it's a lot of them are really life and death situations because we're talking about changing people's lives. 100%. 100%. That's why I love business so much because business has the power to, to mean, all right, so from the entrepreneur's standpoint, yes, yeah, going to put some more money in my pocket, help me, help me provide for my family, provide for myself, and also to provide for other people by creating jobs. Yeah, it's it's creating jobs, and I think because there's such a there's such a gap with respect to the information available about online business, e-commerce, digital marketing. But from our perspective, um, this was definitely a way bigger gap for me to fill. And you know, again, I've been in telecom since I was 19. We're 36 now. I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I could. Re- I, I don't really care about phones like I did back then. Now. If, I, if I'm looking at a phone, it's just a good phone for me. I don't care to talk about it. But in the space that we're in now where, again, there's a huge gap, there's a huge opportunity, and the impact that we can make with what we are doing is a million times bigger than before. It, it, made, it was hard to make the switch because it was a point in time where I was like, yo, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do yet. I don't know if I want to go left. I don't know if I want to go right. But when I did decide, you know what, we're going to go right. We're going to double down on this. Um, I've just uh, answered the call and, you know, everything's been working out. Yeah. You know, funny enough, I mean, we, we think about e-commerce as something that is, that is, that is somewhat new in the region, right? But, but, but according to a corporate finance institute, e-commerce is something that, 
that came about since the late 1990s slash early 2000s, right? That's yeah. when, yeah, exactly. It was around that time, you know, the dot-com, <laughs> dot-com bubble and all these yeah. things, when you see that internet and mobile technologies began to transform the financial services industry, right? And the, the rise of e-commerce actually created a need for secure and efficient online payments. And that, and since then, that has formed the bedrock for for everything you've seen evolve since then. So whether it be it mobile banking, digital wallets, um, now you mean you have things like blockchain and crypto and DeFi and all these things, which we'll cover in another in another podcast. But all these things that that came about since then. You know, um, you know, funny enough. After, so after I interviewed you in 2019, I interviewed one Mr. Orwin Wayne of WePay. And after the interview, he and I were chatting and he was saying, you know, I you know I tell Karen, this mobile phone thing is a waste of time. You need to be talking about fintech. <laughs> you need to be talking about fintech. I tell him to start talking about fintech. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> It sounds like him. <laughs> but no, that's that, that very true. Like, I mean, if, if it's one day with Aldwin, Aldwin from, from day one, I think he is he has definitely always seen something in me. Um, and I remember we were, I think we were prepping for we, for we Day 2019. And I remember we were, we were in his car and we were driving over to the Hyatt. And he just looked, in the conversation, he was like, listen, he's like, we're always going to need each other. He's like, what I'm doing is I'm creating the tools. He's like, your job now is to educate. He's like, that's a gift that not everybody has. Not everybody can, can, can do knowledge transfer. Not everybody can break it down and get people to use the tools and see it from different. He's like, that's your space. He's like, we're not focused on the teaching. He's like, but, you know, we're always going to be. And it just so happens that, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of always kind of flowed like that. Yeah, for real, for real. All right, so if it's to continue the evolution story, thanks to Corporate Finance Institute. All right, so <laughs> to the late 90s, early 2000s, as e-commerce, mobile banking. You know, funny enough, when I was reading that, I, I thought back to my time at, as a bank teller at RBC. I was a bank teller at RBC between um, December 2005 until July 2006 when I left to go to Jamaica to study banking and finance. Right. Anyway, that's another story. But um, I remember during that time, RBC was looking to launch its online banking. Well, RBTT at the time was looking to launch its online banking platform called um, NetBank, or is it NetBanking? RBC, RBTT NetBank. Anyway, and they had and they had this competition where okay, the most the people the person, the teller who was able to get the most signups is going to win twenty five thousand dollars. Now I didn't win. You know, I didn't win. Big up TJ, Jalata, I remember that. Um, but but yeah, just um, reading that remind me of that period. You know, of, of course, the Caribbean region always has this little bit of a lag when it comes to our North American and, you know, developed world or first world counterparts. But when you think about digital wallets and mobile payments, we're talking about the 2010s. So the PayPal's of this world, and then eventually the Apple Pay, the Samsung Pay, the Google Wallets, and that sort of thing. But in the region now, in the region we have we have things that well, you eventually had PayWise, but but we had WePay. When did WePay come about? Was it was it early twenty seventeen or so? But Karen, you've created a lot of content around actually enabling Caribbean entrepreneurs to get paid via PayPal. How would, how, if you were to just, I mean, of course, people could check out the video when they're ready, but how, 
if you want to just give give a, a quick one minute lesson, all right. If you want if you want to enable payments from any anybody anywhere in the world through PayPal, how would you do that? Yeah, I think the I think the first the first thing I would say to anybody is you kind of have to learn the differences between PayPal or Paywise or FAC and some of these other solutions because PayPal is not always the best solution for you, right? I ironically, as much as people you know run down PayPal they don't always take into consideration that it might not be the best solution. And the reason I say that is because if you're using PayPal, it's the most expensive solution. So uh, it's 5.5% USD. Is that so much? Yep. 5.5% per transaction. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, per transaction. And then not everybody, not every account is able to withdraw the funds immediately. Some of them might have to wait 30 days for PayPal to only give you the automatic transfer at the top of the month. And then there's some accounts that PayPal just doesn't allow you to withdraw funds altogether, right? And then if things do happen, if they do go sideways, if you do have to query something, you don't have local support and you have to deal with whatever PayPal gives you, right? So PayPal is not always the best solution. However, the reason why it's covered so much is because PayPal is the gold standard of payments worldwide. And if you are working for companies, and this is a big one, and that's why I'm mentioning it. If you are working for companies that pay remote workers or they pay freelancers, or you have clients from different parts of the world and they're using PayPal, the reason why you might not use a a WePay or First Atlantic Commerce or some of these other platforms is because they might not be paying you with a credit card. PayPal allows people to connect their bank accounts. So if you're dealing with a institution or a company who is not paying you with a credit card, they're paying you out of their bank accounts, then you can't use any other tool. You'd have to use PayPal and just get hit with the 5.5%, right? So that's, again, just putting that out there for, for people. Now, if you want to use PayPal and you're in Trinidad, you are going to have to have a Visa debit card and with these with these uh, with these um institutions either JMB PSCU Credit Union RAN Credit Union Venture Credit Union or a Visa credit card from any institution except RBC cuz RBC went out of their way to block PayPal transactions right for whether it be yeah they, they went out of their way to block it right um if you have a Lynx debit card, a Lynx Visa debit card from any institution, Lynx does not work with PayPal whatsoever, right? So you're only limited to those institutions. And once you get the Visa debit card from the aforementioned institutions, you're not going to go on PayPal and link a bank account. You're going to link a card. So there's people always go to link a bank account thinking they're going to use their banking in their bank account number. No, you're going to be linking your Visa debit card number. And that's what you would go and connect. Once that is connected um, from any one of those banks, you're going to be able to, when money comes in, you're going to be able to see withdraw and you'll see your bank, your credit card or your Visa debit card as an option to withdraw those funds. Other thing I would mention is that um, I lost my train of thought. But it'll come back to me. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're talking about. Oh, you remember? Okay. Yeah. So the other the other thing is that you could also use you could also use Wise. So there's Wise service where you can where you can create a virtual bank account. It's an additional step, but Wise would let you deposit those funds to any bank account, regardless of type. 
what I had forgotten that I just that just came back to me was when you are going to JMMB or any of those banks, they only give out Visa debit cards on personal accounts, right? They do not give out Visa debit cards on business accounts. So if you are somebody who wants to get paid and the funds go into your business account, you're better off using WISE so that WISE, because WISE can distribute the funds, they wire transfer the funds to any bank account, personal or checkings or business accounts. So if you want the money going into your business account, set up a WISE account, the money would go from PayPal to your WISE virtual bank account, and then WISE would then transfer the money to your business account. Yeah, that's WISE.com, right? Yes. Yeah. And I saw from your um, from your content that the fee wise charges is actually quite reasonable. It's something like three dollars and twenty nine cents US. Oh, they raised it. Yeah, I think they raised it two times. I think the second time they raised it was just last week. So yeah, they raised it to like I, I won't be able to find it uh, at the drop of now, but they raised that fee. Um and it's a bit more. But this is this is my thing, right? What I tell people. Regardless of whatever the fee is, you don't have options. <laughs> you don't have options. You don't have options. So regardless of whatever the fee is, when people tell me, because they say this thing all the time, nah, that's too expensive. I'm not going to do e-commerce. I'm not going to put my business online. <laughs> that's, that is the, the extreme that people say. Oh, that's too expensive. I'm not going to do it. So is it that you're gonna you're not going to have your business online and people just have to pay you in cash? Yes. Well, all right. <laughs> in that list, with um, if you have a personal or business account at Scotia Bank, would you be able to get? Do they have that Visa card that allows you to get paid via PayPal? So that remember their Visa debit cards are with links. Oh, Scotia's links. Okay. But you could use you could use their Scotia Visa credit card, so you could use Visa credit card from any bank except RBC. But the the, the problem with using a Visa credit card, right? If you have nothing else, then sure, no problem. But I would tell anybody, just go open a bank account, go open a JMB bank. Like I only have JMB to get my PayPal money to then send to my other bank that I use, right? Just go open a bank because when you use a Visa credit card. For one, you have a limit as to how much money your Visa credit card can hold. If you go, if you have an overage, like if your limit is $5,000 and you go load up the card with $6,000, the banks charge you an overage fee. They charge you a percentage. And it's like every bank is different, but like FCB hit me a 3% overage fee for having more money. Whatever the amount was, they charged me 3% of however much money was over. And I had to pay that. And it was like $600. Okay, big boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I'm just saying, it, I, I'm saying that to paint a picture. The, the fees are high, right? So the you have the overage fee. But then let's just say if you want cash. Then when you, do a, when you go put your, chuck, chuck your Visa credit card into the bank, you're getting charged a cash advance fee. So you're, you're getting sick. You're getting sick. And then, and then to make it worse, we're in Trinidad. So you don't know everybody who has a, um, a, 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 a Lynx terminal, they're looking at you like, is that a Visa debit card or is that a credit card? Because when they're transacting business, if it's a Visa debit card, they pay 75 cents per transaction. 
Once it's a credit card, they're paying 3% per transaction, which is why there's so many businesses in Trinidad that are like, yo, we do not want your credit card. Okay, one last question on this on this PayPal list before we, before we move on. Does having the Visa debit card from the GMMB or the PSCU credit union or what have you, would that allow me to withdraw the funds at any time or do I still need to wait the 30 days? That depends on PayPal. So PayPal will determine whether you, one, get to withdraw the funds um, anytime you want. Like I could just go into PayPal, click withdraw, and the money would just be withdrawn to my uh, bank. With no fees. Um, oh, there's fees. There's fees. They charge $5. Right. But if you wait for the automatic transfer, then it's free. Automatic transfer is free, right? So if you do if you do a manual transfer, then it's $5 US per withdrawal. The second option, and again, these are based on PayPal. They determine this. PayPal could also put you on a, th- a mandatory 30-day hold for your funds. So you could only do the automatic withdrawal, right? And then the third thing is PayPal could just look at your account and say, we're not giving you withdrawal access. And then you're just, that's just that. That's it. You're just screwed. Yeah, they had they had me in that position for a little while. They had me. In yeah, that yeah, yeah. So because and because they do that, because they do that, I would again. I anytime people ask me about e-commerce for their business, I would always explore every other option first before PayPal. Or even if we set up PayPal, PayPal would always be supplementary to the other things that you use, so that we are not relying on PayPal. And I mean, there's one other tip. To, I mean, and this is—I mean, this all depends on access and if you can, if you're, a, if you are able to do this. But if you're able to get a bank account in the United States, you know, be it Bank of America or whoever, and you're able to get a, a Visa debit card from there, then I mean, for me, my my Bank of America card, I would somebody transfer me money on PayPal. It's in my account tomorrow. Your gold. If you if you do that, your gold. I, I think the only I think and you see, and this is why information. The lack of information is what's killing everybody because we haven't had a accountant come out and talk to people about the taxes, what forms you have to fill out. If you're going to go open up a U.S. account, what goes into that? People don't open up U.S. US bank accounts because people don't want to open, don't want to pay Uncle Sam. And it's not that they don't want to pay, right? Because I've heard, I've heard an accountant say, you don't have to pay anything. You just have to declare. But that's different information from what I've heard from other people, right? So people, accountants need to come out and kind of create that content and put that information out so that people know exactly what what is in what entails opening up a US bank account and living outside of the US. Well, if you have any mention, Uncle Sam, I need to move on to the next topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Karen, <laughs> you've emphasized the importance. <laughs> of the, you have you emphasize the importance of digital tools for businesses today can you elaborate on some of the key tools or strategies that caribbean entrepreneurs should prioritize to enhance their online presence and their competitiveness because of course we want to be able to increase our global competitiveness you want to be able to export you want to be able to attract that u.s currency without dealing with uncle sam too hard too harsh yeah yeah I think the two biggest things, and these are the two biggest gaps, and until we, until businesses understand these two gaps, you can't really do anything else. You need to understand the payment tools because it doesn't make sense you spending all this money marketing your business, and when somebody from outside of Trinidad and Tobago 
decides they want to do business with you, you can't get paid. And that happens all the time. Perfect example is somebody will go and they will Google what's the easiest way to set up a website. What's the best website to sell products? And they'll see things like Shopify. They'll see things like Wix. They'll see Squarespace. And I, you know, contrary to popular belief, I don't care about what platform you use, right? I only ever talk about WordPress because WordPress has been the easiest platform for Caribbean people to get paid from. It's not, I never said it's easiest to use (laughs) or the easiest to learn. There are easier platforms to learn, easier platforms to set up. But when you go, and this happens all the time, they Google, okay, easiest platform, Wix. All right, cool. We're going to go set up Wix. We're going to go pay the subscription and e-commerce subscription for Wix starts at 30 US a month. So you jump out your 30 US a month. You might even go on, you might even go find a Wix developer and pay them, pay them, you know, a thousand US, a 500 US, you know, have them build out your Wix website for you. So you're in the hole already before you even start. They build out everything for you. And then by the time it's done, and you launch and you announce to the world, hey, everybody, you can buy online. And then they come and the money isn't coming into anything because you haven't thought about getting paid. So, and then they come and then I'll get the message saying, hey, I, I spent, you know, three months developing a Wix website. Um, how do I get paid? I can't get paid. And I'm like, you're on the wrong platform. What do you mean I'm on the wrong platform? And I tell them all of the things they need to do to get paid on Wix. And they're like, but I can't afford that. Well, you need to get on a different platform. So payment tools is the first thing that every single entrepreneur in the Caribbean needs to understand because how you get paid dictates what platforms and what tools you can and you cannot use, right? The second thing would be understanding how digital marketing works. I did not learn digital marketing to teach it. That was furthest thing from my mind. I learned digital marketing for my business so that I can get clientele outside of just Trinidad and Tobago, right? So when you figure out your payment options, so you know how, if if you do get a client, you know how you're going to get paid, then it's learning digital marketing so that you understand how you can now build your digital presence, and you can start to attract clients from anywhere in the world. And again, your business information is out there. Your products are out there. So somebody should be able to jump. Somebody in Australia should be able to jump online and say, what is the tastiest Caribbean snacks? And you make fudge. So your fudge shows up on page number one, hopefully it's in the top five, but maybe it shows up on page number one. And that person could click on the link, learn what on earth is fudge. And then you have a video or a write-up or something breaking down what fudge is. And that person should be able to say, I want to try what this fudge is. Add to cart. Let me get my coconut fudge. Let me get my milk fudge, my cocoa fudge. Add to cart, pay you. So now you have money. And then you can now ship your product to that person in Australia rather than you're hustling at every single fair or every pop-up shop that you can hustling for that anybody locally can buy any and everywhere. And that's why, I mean, at times like this, I want to pick up Katie and Preston uh, and um, Carib Shopper for at scale enabling, enabling um 
people from the diaspora to purchase Caribbean products like fudge and kurma and whatever what, and what have you. And that is so huge. We big up to Caden. We had Caden on Digital World um last week Friday. Oh yeah? Yeah. In in person. He was he was here. In person. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I anyway, I was I'm I'm not in Trinidad right now. No problem. Well yeah, exactly you 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 eat New York pizza so you good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah what Carib Shopper um is doing and I told Katie and this I tell Katie this all the time. I'm like, bro, if nobody ever tells you how important you are to the value chain, if nobody tells you, I'm telling you, because what you are doing, you are taking away two of the biggest problems that people have. One, building a platform so that they can sell. And then two, payments. Well, you're solving three big issues. The third being logistics. Not everybody understands how to build a platform to market a platform payments and then add logistics on top of that. And Carib Shopper is doing that all in one. Um. Awesome. You have a podcast. You have a podcast, and big, big up to you. You have a podcast called Entrepreneur FM. Uh, I sometimes wonder how oh, this man releases so many episodes on a regular basis, but like, I don't understand. But you know, big up to you again. That folk, but the podcast focuses on digital strategy, online business, and of course, entrepreneurship. In conducting this podcast, what are some of the noteworthy trends or success stories in the Caribbean digital space that you feature on your podcast? And I think I have an, I have an idea of at least one, but I'm going to let you go. Um, success stories on the podcast, I would actually go on to say, and, I, and I'm interested to see what you say, but I would more say I feature all the success stories or the majority of the success stories on Digital World. On the radio show. On the radio show. And I purposely do that because... When I had the opportunity to, to, to have my own radio show, I needed to figure out what was going to be the differentiating factor between the podcast and what I would do on radio. And one of the big things was I would do the major, I would do almost all of my features on the radio. What I started to do, what I started to do, right? And I mean, we are content factories. So we're always thinking about how to create content, also how to make it easier. What I would do is, um, after a radio show, I would talk to the guests and be like, maybe they said something that um, I really liked. And I'd be like, hey, I want to do something on the podcast. Send me, i give them the topic or I'll have them pick the topic. And I would have them send me the voice notes and I would compile it together. And then that would be a podcast episode. But the features to kind of feature people have really been on, digi- digi- on the Digital World Radio Show. And I think the biggest thing with the Digital World Radio Show is my mindset towards the guests is always, how are people doing something differently? How are they leveraging the digital tools and platforms available? Or is this a company that is creating something within the digital space? But everything kind of ties back into digital. So even if somebody is a, is a traditional job, like I've had a chiropractor, I've had psychiatrists, therapists, I've big had up people- to Kern, big up to Kern, the chiropractor, cracking backs all across the region. Big up to Kern. He has your back. He has your back. You know. <laughs> so even when it's been a traditional field, everybody that I've been able to feature has leveraged a di- has leveraged digital tools to build their to build their practice. So if you want me to say who who I think has really been the most successful, honestly, I would and you and you just brought him up, Kern Roberts. I honestly, I honestly think Kern is an animal. He is a he is a beast. Kern gets it from the day I how I met Kern was 
because of TikTok. I met I met him because of TikTok. I had seen his TikTok videos. I'm like, yo, this guy's doing the things that Dr. Tubio and Cipri and Cipriani, all the other uh, chiropractors I watch on YouTube, he's doing a lot of the similar things. And I'd seen him on YouTube. And then when we connected during our assessment, he's like, yeah, how did you hear about me? I'm like, I laughed. I'm like, TikTok. He's like, why did you laugh? I'm like, because it's just amazing that the time that we were in, that we are now finding service providers on a platform like TikTok, right? Um, and what he's been able to do with leveraging TikTok, leveraging Instagram, building his brand. He understands that as good as he is with his hands, he understands he has to educate and he has to create content. And because he is educating, because he's building, uh, creating content, because he has a personality that lends to social media as well. All of those things have come together, and he is now the most oversubscribed frigging chiropractor in the region. Kern is booked. I'll say this, then jump in. Kern is booked a year in advance. Like, I'm like, bro, a year. I'm like, bro, my back hurts now. I will pay double. And he laughed. He's like, bro, he's like, he's like, I don't mean to laugh. He's like, but you understand how many people are like, they will pay double and triple to get service now because they can't wait a year to come and see him. <laughs> Imagine your back hurting, you know, you, you have to check him next day. What's that? No, man. No, no. But I'll tell you what, just me, because a lot of people have that objection or that hesitation that, hey, I don't, I'm, I'm shy. I'm introverted. I'm, I'm scared of putting myself on social media. No, Kun. Kern went to school with me in university, right? So in in wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. So I will I will tell you. So Kern was not like the most outgoing kind of guy. I mean, he's a cool guy, of course, but he's not he's not he's not the 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 big extrovert or whatever it is. So I was so I was so thrilled and pleasantly surprised to see his social media presence and what he's doing there. You know, so I think so I think I mean. I think once you have value to provide, I don't think you should hide it from anybody. Yeah, and you know, and it takes it takes practice too, because even as a marketing consultant, people will be like, you know, but I but it's video and I'm and I'm shy and I'm this. And I'm like, yo, listen, what are you comfortable doing? Right? Because a lot of people, when they're saying shy, they're really saying, I'm just too shy for the video camera. And when I started, you know, I didn't start off with video, it was blogging. I was writing. And so my, my advice to any and everybody is it's okay to be shy. Like you don't have to do video. That's the biggest misconception. No, Jared, we don't have to do video, Jared. <laughs> I want to throw something at Jared every single time. We talk about it all the time. What I tell him all the time, bro, it doesn't have to be video. Big him up every single time. Video only matters for social media because social media prioritizes video. But that's just social media. We are forgetting that there are podcasters. The biggest content creator in the world is, is a podcaster. It's Joe Rogan. <laughs> it's Joe Rogan. So you could podcast and be big. You can, again, blogging will never die because all of the search engines, your favorite AI tool, ChatGPT, everybody pulls their information from the internet. So if you want to show up on Google, you want to show up in ChatGPT, you better be creating your written articles on your website because that's where Google is getting the information from. That's where ChatGPT is getting its information from. All right. So Karen, in your experience, right, 
what challenges, and I know we, we touched on this a little bit already, so you can let me know, hey, Kevin, you asked me this already. But what challenges do, you, do entrepreneurs in the Caribbean typically face when it comes to adopting digital payment solutions, right? So we speak about getting getting out, using the tools to get ourselves out there and whatnot. You know, we speak about the currents of this world. We could also talk about um, people like Catherine Nurse from Immortal, Immortal Beauties, who has an excellent e-commerce adopted website platform. But what challenges do they face when adopting the digital payment solutions and how can they overcome these challenges? And then we could get into some of the tools available to us. Uh, I think the biggest challenge the biggest challenge is culture. Mm. Culturally, say that again. Culturally, people do not trust the banking institutions. That's the biggest hurdle. That's the biggest. You can't, Kevin, we don't have a technology problem. We, we do not have a technology. We have not had a technology problem in the Caribbean. FAC is 20 years old. Technically, FAC being First Atlantic Commerce, out of Bermuda, Chris Burns. First Atlantic Commerce, yeah. FAC is 20 plus years old. Technically, we have been able to do e-commerce in the Caribbean for over 20 years, right? However, <laughs> culturally, we do not like and trust the institution. So when you're dealing with somebody who they have a business, whatever the business is, and they're coming to you saying, hey, they want to grow the business. And then their caveat is, I want to grow the business, but I'm not into that uh, I'm not into any solution that has to do with the bank. Give me cash. I don't trust the banks. Fire upon Babylon. When that, <laughs> is, when that is the caveat that they have, you're dead in the water. There is, there is nothing you can do to really change that mind. I don't want to say nothing you can do, but it's very hard to change that entire cultural mindset as to how much people have a disdain and distrust of the banking system. Let me, I'll, I'll, let me, throw, let me throw you this. Yeah. December 2020, right? That was just the other day. December 2020, the Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago, Dr. Keith Rowling, he is in an interview, right? And I'll send you the link for this article afterwards. He is in an interview and he goes on to say, and quote, he goes on to say that he was the last person in government to switch from check to direct deposit. And the reason he was the last person in government to move from check, he's like, I prefer cash because I don't trust the system. Wow. <laughs> so now that that's such, that's so loaded because for one, if your prime minister, if the main, if the number one citizen in your country comes out and says they don't trust the system, they don't trust the banking system, they prefer cash, then you already know how much energy he's going to put into digitizing anything. No, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, no, I would say the Ministry of Finance is doing. I mean, at least it, it looks like they, they're doing a lot to promote. <laughs> Karen's not a smile. Karen, I know you know, I know you know, I know you know. <laughs> But it looks like they um it looks like they're doing a lot to promote like cashless economy and whatnot. I see the trying to go international financial center, KTIFC. I see they're making a lot of moves in the space, having events. They recently launched the one fintech avenue. I think I'm gonna have have um John Outridge on the podcast soon. Yeah, you should for sure. Yeah, yeah, to talk up to talk about that. You know, so I, I, I see the moves 
being made from that perspective. But I mean, I'll, I mean, uh, uh, please continue on what's um, what the prime honorable prime minister. So I'll, I'll jump into what you said right after, right? But yeah, so from just seeing that, from seeing that, um, that kind of just tells you where his mindset is when it comes to the financial system. I don't think he also took into consideration that yo. You are the prime minister. You're in government. When was the last time you probably waited in line to cash your check? <laughs> when, was the, when was the last time you, because he said he would go in and cash his check and take out his cash. When was the last time you even waited in a line to go in, to go and take that money out, right? The average person not going through that, right? To wait. Some of them are. I'm lying. Some of them are, right? A lot, actually, a lot of them are. <laughs> a lot of them it are. It depends because... on what you need to do. It depends. What... I was in the bank, right? Just, just before I flew up here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people, like people like us, we are, we are, we are because we don't have the ability to conduct certain transactions online. Otherwise, the bank would never see us, right? But some people just don't trust the banking system. So they want to go into the bank and deal with a human right? For every single transaction, right? That's so culturally, it's very, it's, it's very hard. I think that's the biggest hurdle. But I think that's the, that's, sorry to cut to you. That, I think that's the generate, that's like the older generation to an extent, right? No, it, bro, it is our generation and younger too, because it's being passed down. It's being passed down to the point where people are, are, throwing their insecurities to the children and their children's children. So we're still seeing a lot of people who are in their 20s who are like online banking. Nah, I pay my bills. I pay. Bro, I just had a friend the other day that was like, hey, um, we're on the phone. We're talking. And they're like, yo, uh, like, yo, let me call you back just now. I got to go into T and Tech to pay my bill. And I'm like, is it that your electricity is cut? <laughs> And you need somebody to turn it on like now for now. And they're like, well, no. I'm like, is it that your bill is due tomorrow? And you have to pay because I couldn't wrap my mind on why are you going in? And they're just like, no, I just prefer to go in and pay my bills in TN Tech. And I'm like, listen, my head just, I'm like, you're not a real person. <laughs> right? So we have a lot of that. We have a lot of that. Going back to, to, to one fintech avenue, right? My problem with that, and I, ha- and I have to meet with John myself and do a show with him. My problem with one fintech, and I think this is, this is where a couple of people's mindsets are, is if you, like, you put that in the most inaccessible to the public place as could possibly be, right? The average person... Like if the goal is to teach the average person about fintech, the average person not going into parliament, into 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 waterfront to come up to to that heavily guarded building to come and learn about fintech. If you wanted to educate the public about fintech, one fintech avenue should have been a big store in Trinity Mall. It should have been a store in West Mall. It should have been a a, a store in in um in Eastgate. In long circuits, it, it has to be where the public is frequently, frequently trafficking. And you can now showcase where or, or how these things work. But again, I think a lot of it is lip service because even look at, um, I'll give you another good example, TIC. Were you here for TIC? No, I was in the country, but I didn't attend. Okay. So two weeks prior to TIC, 
was the first ever Caribbean food and beverage conference, right? Okay. And I go, we're there with Guardian Media. So I'm there. My Digital World show is live on site at Caribbean Food and Beverage. So I'm speaking to all of the organizers. And then the organizers know me. So they're coming to me and asking me my opinion. You know, what do I like? What do I not like? What do I improve? And I'm like, what would I improve? I'm like, Caribbean Food and Beverage Conference. Everybody here is selling products, right? I'm like, have you gentlemen bought anything as yet? They're like, no, they haven't bought anything as yet. They've been busy. So I'm like, let's go and buy something, shall we? And they're like, okay, this is random, but okay. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> so I just go to the next, the next booth, right? I'm like, hey, you are selling uh, ice cream. How can I pay for this ice cream? They're like, oh, right now, only cash. I'm like, ooh. So everybody looked around and like, like <laughs> okay, cash. He's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heart. <laughs> my my chest. <laughs> I'm like, cash. So the, the, the organizers looked and they're like, they're like, wait a minute. You don't, man, pull out this card. They're like, you know, no, no cards. They're like, no, not right. I'm like, all right, good. We go to two more booths. How can we buy your product? They're like, oh, cash only. So we walk back to where we were guarding me to a station and I'm like, so were you guys able to purchase anything? And they're like, but they don't understand. Nobody came in here with no machines to take payments or anything. Why is anybody only here with cash? I'm yeah. like, I thought you would never ask. Why, as you as the organizers, why have you not ensured that your banking partners are here setting up either terminals? Why is we pay not in here with a QR code? Or, you guys, why isn't one of the sponsors Republic Bank with NCash and give everybody a digital wallet and you're teaching everybody that walks in the door about how the digital wallet works from the gate? So they came back. They came back and they're like, yo, we never, we never even thought about that. I'm like, I, well, I'm, I'm like, well, you never, I know you never thought about it because it's, we're here trying to pay with cash and none of us have cash, right? So they came back with TIC. One of the organizers was like, yo, we took everything you said and sent me the flyer. And the flyer was Republic Bank is now one of the sponsors for TIC, right? NCash specifically. On the day of NCash, and this is why I say we, we have problems and not, it's not technology. We don't have, we have people problems. So on the day of TIC, when I seen the same organizer that sent me the flyer that said we brought NCash in because of you, he comes to me and he start as as I see him, he starts shaking his head. So I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? What's good? He's like, boy, he's like, you would not believe. You would not believe what we're dealing with right now. We tried to get NCash into TIC, right? NCash, Republic Bank said it was too last minute to send to set up a booth. So they said, the organizer said, hey, we have one of the biggest boots here. We will give you half of our boots because we need you here and we need to push the digital payment solution. Like this is like you're such a core thing because people are selling goods and products at the event. Like we need you here. If we don't have what you guys are offering, then the money is not going to be as, as the, the money generated is not going to be as big as if it was with a, a digital payment solution here. Republic Bank goes, and I don't want to quote that. I'm not, I'm not quoting, but just paraphrasing. But they're basically just like, well, no, it's too last minute for any sort of boot. So we will just organize. And they sent two 
reps to TIC. There were hundreds. There were over, I think, 600 booths. There were thousands of thousands of guests that were there. It was rammed. All three days was rammed from morning to night. You sent two lonely reps in a black t-shirt to walk around spreading the gospel of NCASH? (laughs) And the organizers were pissed because, again, the same problem. People are selling goods and services and products. And when it comes to payments, you're only taking cash. And that was a decision that the Republic Bank thought best. Not even like I could understand that they said, you know what? We don't have a we don't have the time to set up a booth, even if it's a half a booth, but we're gonna come 50 deep. The whole of Republic Bank, we're coming inside of TIC. You sent two people. So no, we don't that again, these are our hurdles. These are our hurdles. It's not technology, it's people problems that we have in the Caribbean. So we have the technology, we have the systems, you just need the people with the discipline and the foresight and the planning to implement the system. And unfortunately, Kevin, we don't have that in abundance. We don't. We we don't have that in abundance, and we haven't had a technology problem. You know, I, I want to go as far as to say, since we pick him on the scene, you could never tell me it's a technology problem. We don't have a technology problem. We have a people problem. We have a culture problem and a people problem. And that is, 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 is a bigger problem that, not, that me alone can't solve, that Alden alone can't solve, that you alone can't solve. It's going to take an all hands on deck from the prime minister down and everybody all hands on deck to solve this problem. Definitely, it's definitely an ecosystem problem to solve, you know. Um, and we were, so we were talking pre pre show. I was telling you that my latest project. I'm actually so I'm I'm dedicating a significant part of my career to attracting in, investment from global investors to the Caribbean region. And in my through my research through my practice, I found that. One of the major things that gives investors pause when it comes to investing in a company is lack of information, right? Um, in doing valuations for companies in in Toronto and United States or whatnot, it's very easy to find information on particular industries. It's very easy to present that information. It's very easy to get information such as market size, expected growth, and all those other things that are that enable investors, financiers, bankers, um, consultants, business operators to make informed decisions. Now, when we look at the Caribbean region, however, there's a big lack. There's a big lack of that information available. And us as, you know, as, as patriots of the Caribbean, we want to see the Caribbean do well. We want to see the business ecosystem do well. We want to, we want companies to be able to grow, to scale, to create jobs, to, you know, to one day have our region be a first world region, you know, despite, despite the low population numbers. Cause you know, our islands are beautiful, man. We love to be there. We love to be there. We love to be there. We mean, it's not always the best place to do business, but you know, it's a, it's a good place to be. You know, so so that said, I've I I'm putting together research information for ideally targeted for investors and bankers and so on different regions from the Caribbean, right? And I think the the first region I want to tackle is actually the digital payment space, 
because I see it's a it's a growing region I, and I see it closely interwoven with the ease of doing business, right? So we spoke about the banking system and in previous episodes, we, um, I would have spoken with your boy OC about the, about the <laughs> OC is a trouble man, you know? OC is a trouble man. <laughs> anyway, so I spoke to OC about the ease of doing business and um, in the through the banking system in Trinidad and Tobago and and um, in other countries throughout the region, you know. So putting together putting together research and I'm announcing it. I'm announcing it here. It's letting the public the podcast will hold me accountable. Karen, hold me accountable. Looking to publish that before the end of 2023. Actually, looking at looking at November, we have have a team working on it. The reports I would say are 60 to 70 percent done. You know, just need to put some need to put some some touches onto it. All that said, Karen, I wanted to talk to you about the landscape of the digital payment sector in Trinidad and Tobago in particular. And I think we have four major players, each each of them you've mentioned previously in this in this conversation. I want to start with the oldest player. So first Atlantic Commerce, because they've essentially attached themselves to the banking system to enable them to enable digital payments. So if you could just walk us through your understanding of how that works. Yeah, so with First Atlantic Commerce, right, you essentially have to have a merchant bank account. Because they're not a public-facing uh, entity, you have to go through the bank. So the first step to work with First Atlantic Commerce is you got to go to your bank, in your respective country, the good thing is, is that First Atlantic Commerce works in almost every single bank in the entire Caribbean. So every Caribbean region has the ability to do to do e-commerce. So you go to your bank, you open up a merchant account. Then once you open the merchant account, you can go to First Atlantic Commerce and they have over 15 platforms. Matter of fact, they just emailed me today. I think they're adding in new platforms as well. Um, but they have over 15 platforms that you can use their shopping cart. So if you want to use Wix, if you want to use uh, Shopify, Joomla, uh, Drupal, a whole suite, right? Magento, um, all those platforms, you're able to do e-commerce utilizing First Atlantic Commerce. So you would first go open up a merchant account with your bank. Then you go to First Atlantic Commerce, open up an account with them. They are going to be your payment processor, and the money would go into your bank account, depending on the platform you would use. So in the in the case of like a Wix or a Shopify, you would need, so whilst First Atlantic Commerce is in the cloud, you would then need an additional partner that connects First Atlantic Commerce to the platform that you are using. So for Wix and a Shopify, TillowPay is a technology partner with First Atlantic Commerce that connects FAC to the Shopify or the Wix platform. And now that would allow you to now process payments on that Wix platform or Shopify. First Atlantic Commerce processes the payments. The money goes directly into your merchant account with your bank. So that's pretty much how the flow starts. So you need to have a merchant account and then you would go to First Atlantic Commerce. All right, so you need a merchant account. There's over 15 platforms. You need a partner to collect the platform to FAC. That, plat that platform, that partner, sorry, will either be Tillo, you said, or somebody else? Yeah, so they have multiple partners. It just depends. It depends on what platform you are looking to use. So I'm trying to see if I can pull up. But yeah, they have multiple platforms that you could use. And again, they have, there it is, shopping carts. So they have, again, you could use First Atlantic Commerce with, 
um, Magento, WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, PrestaShop, OpenCart, Nidux, Joomla, Wix, and Figaro, and a whole bunch of other reservation systems, ticketing platforms, online ordering systems, advertising solutions. So they have a wide variety of platforms that uh, First Line to Commerce can integrate with. Yes, and I know you're a big fan of Figaro. I know you um, for, for that integration. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so that's First Atlantic Commerce, and that's how that integrates with the with the banking system, and that's how you use it to enable payments on your on your website. So there are a couple of steps there that you need to know. You know, it's not as easy as boom, boom, boom. You know, there's a little bit of <laughs> and there's money involved. So there's money involved, right? So the merchant accounts, the merchant accounts are not free, right? So here in Trinidad alone. The merchant accounts start from 75 US and they go up to 300 US. Depending on which bank you are using, that fee is per month. Okay. That fee is per month, right? So okay. when you're using First Atlantic Commerce, again, you're, you're probably an established business and you're probably using tools that some of the other uh, tools or platforms don't integrate with. But you got to pay that per month, and then the bank also charges you. They give you a transaction rate. So it could be anywhere from 3 to 5% per transaction the bank is charging you. All right? Per transaction. I'm going to need to talk to Chris. I'm going to need to talk to Chris. I, uh, well, 3 to 5%. That's the bank. That's the bank. And then you have... 25 cents per transaction. I believe that fee is the FAC fee per transaction. Oh, so the banks make the 3 to 5% and FAC takes the 25 cents. 25 cents, yeah. So that 3 to 5%, you would negotiate with your bank, right? Depending on your volume and whatever else, you got to negotiate that. And then let's just say you're in the case of, right? It's easier to wipe your eyes. Don't wipe your eyes yet. We're not even done. Uh, then... If you're using a platform, so let's use the example of Shopify. Shopify is one of the biggest e-commerce platforms in the world. If you want to use FAC with Shopify, because you can't use anything else, you then have to now get Tillow Pay to connect your FAC account to Shopify, and Tillow Pay takes 1% per transaction. So, oh, wow. Okay, wow. Okay. Right? And then... That still doesn't include your monthly subscription fee to the platform that you are using. So Shopify starts at 30 US per month for e-commerce. Oh, that's shop. Okay, so ooh. <laughs> so then people want to talk about why I keep telling people go WordPress. <laughs> All right, so okay. So by the time you start at the lowest, you're paying 75 US per month. Okay, then you you integrate something like Tillopay, that's 1%. All right, fine, 1%, no problem. Then you go to the, you talk to your bank and say, oh, bank, please, please, a bank, a bank. And the bank say, no, 3 to 5%. All right, jam. Then FAC says 25 cents. All right, hold it 25 cents per transaction. Oh, sorry, the 3 to 5% is per transaction. That 1% is per transaction. So you're looking at, you're somewhere between 4 and 6% per transaction plus 25 cents. 25 cents is just like an insult or injury there. But anyway. <laughs> in US. In US. All right, so that's a dollar that's a dollar fifty TT, and that's 
a lot of money in Jamaican dollars. All right, so Shopify. So then Shopify says, you know what, we want 30 USD per month as well. All right, so yeah, you definitely have to be an established business raking in at least something like, I don't know, 10, 20K US per month at the lowest, at the low end for this to make sense for you, for this to be a viable option for you. All right, that's fine. Okay, so if I'm if I'm to go in terms of timeline, all right, so we're going to cover WePay. We're going to cover NCash and PayWise, or PayWise and NCash, depending on the timeline. All right, so First Atlantic is the oldest one, and then we have WePay. So talk to me about WePay. I mean, a lot of things keep happening about WePay. WePay is a moving, growing business. They move from Trinidad to Jamaica, you know, then went from Jamaica to Miami. Um, they, started, they started a neobank and everything. I mean, love this story. Love the guy. Um, so yeah, let's talk about let's talk about WePay as an option for business owners in your region. So, a lot of what a lot of what we are seeing with WePay, there's a lot of announcements. They're stacking up a lot of partnerships and assets. And I think whilst we can't like whilst there's been a lot of announcements, there's a, the, the majority of the announcements we can't actually do just yet. However. I think there's going to be a time. I don't know what I don't know when the timeline is, but there's going to be a time where a switch gets flipped and the WePay ecosystem is going to be like the biggest ecosystem in the entire region. But as for what you can do right now, uh, with your eyes closed, is let's just say you want to you start a website, you want to do e-commerce. The reason why, so this is the reason why I would always recommend WordPress for everybody, right? You can start a WordPress website for as little as three USD per month. That's your monthly fee for hosting. Your domain fee, your domain fee is a yearly fee, but we know domains are cheap. That could be as low as as low as two dollars for the year, right? Then if you're using WePay to process your payments, WePay has is WePay is, is there's no monthly fee for WePay, and you would have the 3.5% per transaction fee plus $3 TT or whatever your currency exchange is, depending on the country that you are in. All right. And that is it. All right. I can live with that. Okay. I can live with that. Because yeah, I think um, when you started to talk about Visa and MasterCard and those guys, for the merchants, I think the merchants pay something like 2 to 3%. They pay something um, per transaction. Yeah, 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 correct. When you're when you're in uh, a payment gateway is essentially just your digital point of sale terminal. Because again, when you are in a store, the business pays three percent to the bank per transaction, three to five percent depending on whatever they've worked out with the bank, right? So it's the exact same thing, but just online. So there's no escaping, and that's why a lot of people, a lot of businesses in Trinidad will tell you, no, we don't accept credit card because they don't want to lose out. The three to five percent per transaction on your candy bar, <laughs> because you. <laughs> so here's where here's where I really you know here's where I encountered that right. So most businesses will will just eat that three to four percent that three percent or whatever because yeah they want the business they want the sale they know their profit margin their profit margin is way more than that three percent right so they're fine with that. Catered for it, they've catered for it exactly, exactly. But when I went, when I go to the liquor mart in St. James, I won't name them. But um, when I go to the liquor mart in St. James and I say, hey, what I want is, can I get this bottle of rum? I want to play with my, pay with my card. They say, no, you got to, if you're paying with credit card, it's an extra 3 4%, you know, brother. So, all right, no problem. No problem. 
No problem. Because they want to get they want to get away with that. But here's the thing: the bank, the bank has forbidden that, and the bank will strip you of your terminal if you are caught doing it. Okay, well that was years ago, so I I'm not no I'm not no snitch. Still happening. It, it's it's still happening. No, I mean no years ago that I went to the liquor mart, so you know maybe they maybe they switched up, maybe they fixed things up, and I'm not I'm not snitching on them. I could only hope. I could only hope. But you know, it, it, that is a, still a big problem in Trinidad. You know, so the other thing, the other the other thing you could do with WePay is let's just say you don't have a website, you're a service based business, you're a consultant, whatever, right? You can also send digital invoices to your clientele anywhere in the world. So you don't have to have a website to use WePay. You can send, again, this is free as well. You just register, set a, uh, create your business account with WePay, and then you can send a digital invoice. That business will then pay you with their credit card. And um, you have the option of getting that money in U.S. currency or your local currency, right? If you want to keep it in U.S., you just have to have a local U.S. account with your bank, wherever country you are in. And then when the money comes in, you have the ability to now send the money to your U.S. account or convert it to your local currency and send the local currency to your bank account as well. Is that the WeShops offering? No. This is just a digital invoice. When you go into, when you log into WePay, you'll see invoices, like the second option on your back end. Okay. I like the I like the no upfront payments and the and the only taking money on the back end. I think it makes it a lot easier. You know, is is that is that we win when you win sort of mentality that I like. And that's and that's a huge thing because again, when we're talking about hurdles, right? Imagine when I tell and again, this again, this happens every single day. Somebody comes to me and says, hey, I built on Wix. I can't get paid. How do I get paid on Wix? And I tell them everything I just told you. And they're like, but I can't afford that. You should have thought about that before you went and spent money on Wix. And now that money goes down the drain because a lot of these people cannot afford that. So the money and time goes down the drain. They might never rebound to go online. Or if they do, they then have to spend more money to go and have somebody build out WordPress or some other platform that allows them to easily get paid. Got you. Got you, got you, got you. Okay. Before we move on to the others, I know, wait, just one clarification question. Is WeShop, is that, is that out as yet? WeShops? Oh, it's out. I don't know if it's still around. Okay. No problem. No problem. Sometimes, you know, these things happen. All right, I want to touch on Color Bank because I, I saw that you have the Color Bank card. I've seen all when you use the Color Bank card. Um, let's talk about Color, about Color Bank. Yeah, pull out the card, man. Flex it, flex it, flex it. I see it. I see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Better hide that number before I buy something. No, I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. But yeah, so Color Bank, the, I think this. Um, they would have announced this um, January 2022. And they would have launched it when was it September twenty twenty two? I'm calling from memory. I'm not. I don't have the information in front of me. I <laughs> well, this is definitely a question for Aldwin because um, this was this was like I mean we, we the, the Rebel card initially was announced in twenty nineteen, right? Then they had a whole lot of problems with central bank and yada yada yada. Now we have the color bank cards. And I've seen them. I've seen them in the thousands. They are here. They are real. Um, they have just not been released to public as yet. I don't know why. They're not released to public? No. Oh, 
Oh, I guess you you and all we're not the only guys I've seen with it then. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I, 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 know, I know you're on the list. You're on the list. Yeah, I got it to test. They even have the Color Bank app and the digital credit card. So I've seen them using the virtual Color Bank credit card, using their phones to make payments. I've seen all these things working. I've been using the Color Bank card and it's working. Um, I haven't had a problem with it. However, I don't know what the issue is with respect to um, being released because they were going to release it December last year and it, we, it wasn't released. So at this point, I don't know what the holdup is. So that is, again, that's a question that, you know, whenever we both see Aldwin, we must ask him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. That's cool. And yeah, it's cool that they launched the um, Color Bank. I think that's also um, available in Florida. Also, I could be wrong. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to Alden's PRT. Uh, all right, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that. We'll, I'll, I'll have Alden on the podcast again soon. I'll have him back on the podcast soon. Dave, we want, we, we want to know. We want to know because again, we're seeing the vision, and like I said, there's a lot of things that 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 uh, WePay has announced that. We are seeing the assets being built. We don't know when it's going to be released to the, into the wild. But again, I personally think that I know whilst a lot of people are frustrated, they're seeing it and they can't use it or access a lot of things that have been announced. I honestly think that whilst Alvin looks like a madman sometimes, we're going to see it pay off because our switch is going to be flipped and there's going to be the world of WePay and an entire ecosystem that runs very, very deep and is, is, is going to be something to see when everything gets turned on. All right. Looking forward to that. and looking forward to a future conversation with Owen Wien of WePay. Okay. Let's talk about PayWise now. So PayWise... Paywise, is this a digital wallet? Um, is this a digital wallet or something? So is this another payment facilitator? How would you define Paywise? How does it work? Where is the value? Because essentially, as we on this podcast, as we always want to know, where is the value in these in these platforms, in these services, or what have you? Have you have you interviewed Ian Allen as yet? I have not. I actually have it. On, I, have, I have I have it on my cards too. I listened to your interview with him. Nice story. Yeah, 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 man. Yo, people, people don't know because they probably couldn't see it, but my man was in like tearing up. Oh, he was. Yeah, I heard. I I heard it in his voice. I I remember I listened to it while I was driving to go buy some jerk chicken. I was like, ooh, it's like, oh, they did that to you, and yeah, and yeah, those those kind of circumstances because you you know you're talking about people's money, right? And people can have access to their money, and people hitting them with their sad and personal stories, and yeah, man, some of those things they really cut deep. Especially if you're somebody who's trying to help people, yeah, yeah, they they they're ready to come in the pitchforks for him. But you know what? Where does where does Paywise sit? So I think I think the main thing to kind of I think to, the thing to address first is you know what was Paywise before? So Paywise before was a payment facilitating tool that you what they did was they partnered with NLCB. And IGT. So they were using IGT, the gaming terminals. They were using IGT. They created a network or, or a platform where you could have your own account number. And you could give that account number to anybody within Trinidad and Tobago. They would then go into any 
any NLCB booth, and the NLCB booths were using the IGT terminals to do all their transactions, right? So you could go, you could somebody could call you and say, "Hey, I want to buy a product." They could, you could give them your 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 paywise number. They go to any lotto booth, they give them your number, and they make the payment. And within the next day, the next twenty four hours, the money was in your account, right? That was one of the greatest things ever. Because when you think about how many lotto booths there are in Trinidad, there's a lot of booths on every corner. Every corner is a lotto booth. And because we're still such a cash-dominant society, that was the greatest thing because now anybody could pay you from anywhere in Trinidad and, they, and everybody has cash, right? And the money, the remittance time was 24 hours. 24 hours, that money was in your account. So it was great. So when that thing closed down, that was huge. Paywise was so successful to begin with because one, you were using a currency or, or form of payment that everybody trusts, which was cash. And two, you were using the most found entity in the country, a lot of booth, and everybody has trust in the lot of booth, right? Everybody has trust. Bro, people were, listen to me, it was wild, okay? Let me paint this picture. People were buying phones from me and, and putting the money in it with a lot of booth terminals. So I would have people where they would order a phone and the phone was $15,000, Kev. They were taking out 15K in cash and going to the lotto boot terminal with 15 grand cash, right? They would not, people not, people not even swiping their cards. Like there's more convincing that has to happen for people to use their credit cards or the new Visa debit cards to pay 15K online to another. But people had no problem taking out. 15k and going to a lot of booth and spending that. So that was why Paywise was ultra successful when it when it started. Then the whole thing happened with IGT co-mingling funds and they had to close down. And then this new revamp of Paywise, I think we're now starting to learn more about Paywise because everything with Paywise is 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 new. They're the first company that got the new e-money license. We don't even know what that means because Central Bank hasn't come out to kind of really say what this means. In, in a nutshell, it allows them to collect and remit money. But there again, this is new. The e-money license is new. Look, Central Bank just made another announcement this week about another license that they have granted to Paywise, to Pesh, to TSCT and some other company. But again, nobody is coming out outside of a, a PDF release on Facebook. <laughs> nobody, nobody is coming out from Central Bank or any, or any entity to say, what does this exactly mean? So I'm seeing people putting congratulations. Oh, congratulations, Paywise. But they don't even know what it means. Right? They have no idea what they're saying. Congrats. Central Bank just said, hey, you're one of four companies that has a new license. But we don't know what it means because we're not even seeing the services in, in circulation like that to understand how that works. So from what I know of Paywise so far, Paywise has a payment uh, plugin where you can use your Paywise account, um, integrate it into your WordPress website. 
WordPress again, integrate your word your, your plugin into your WordPress website, and they can process the payments for you. You can now send money from Paywise Wallet to Paywise Wallet. Um, if you have a Paywise account, those are the two main things I know of Paywise so far. But again, I want to see more education surrounding what Paywise does, how it works, because I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know anybody that's using Paywises yet, right? I, a, business, a business hasn't said to me, hey, we take multiple forms of payment. We take cash, we take credit card, you could buy online. And you could now use Paywise. I haven't had that yet. In the first iteration of Paywise, that was what every business was running with. You live in Manila and you're in Shagaramas? Hey, pay us through Paywise. Go to your nearest lotto booth, throw it on your dust, and there we're doing business. right? So those are the two main things I know of Paywise so far. But I, I myself want more information on what Paywise is doing and what these new licenses that Central Bank is offering people, what does that mean for Joe Public? Right, yeah. And, and I think in terms of what does those li- what do those licenses mean for Joe Public, I mean, yeah, that would be something I want to dive deeper on with the folks at the TTIFC. I think they would have a, a, a good handle on that, you know. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Because again, we're seeing we're seeing like, TSCT is being granted license. We have no idea TSCT and payments. We have no idea what's going on. The company that everybody made a big stink about, Pesh, nobody knows who these people are, what they're doing. We don't know. So there's just such a, again, it comes back to lack of information again, where we just don't know. And we're kind of just waiting to see what these developments are. Okay. So if you had to talk value proposition, right? in terms of what Paywise is offering versus what uh, WePay is offering, how would you say they compare and contrast? And even if you want to throw FAC into that mix. So the value proposition with any payment uh, facilitator is that you expand your network of, of clientele. People can now buy from you and conduct business with you anywhere in the world. That is the value proposition right then and there. How you get to that destination to me doesn't really matter because it's kind of like cars. You could buy a Benz, you could buy a Corolla, you could ride a, a horse. At the end of the day, you're getting from point A to point B. How you do it, how fast you do it, or how much it costs to do it. Horses are quite expensive. <laughs> how, how much it costs to do it is going to be up for determination, but you would have to know, you'd have to weigh the pros and the benefits. So one of the biggest benefits of using FAC is that FAC turns around your money in your bank account within 24 to 48 hours, right? Directly into your bank account. You just have to get paid online and FAC pushes that money to the bank account within 24 to 4. That's a huge, huge value proposition because we know that cash flow is the lifeblood of any business. So the faster you get your money back in your hand, the better for you. We pay, however, we pay offers no fees up front. You can get started now for now, but the money goes into your WePay wallet and then the money takes three to seven business days or three to 10 business days for that money to go from your WePay wallet to your bank account. Some people say that's way too long to wait for your money. That's kind of long. But then what do you tell the people who are using PayPal waiting 30 days? 
we tell them there needs to be a better way. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be a better way, right? So, I mean, again, all of these things, PayPal, PayWise, uh, FAC, WePay, they all allow you. The value proposition is you can expand your network of clientele. You can get paid from anybody, anywhere in the world. That is the main value prop. At that point, when now that you've understood that and you're looking at the different tools or the different options, you're now weighing, how fast do I need this money? You could get it within 24 hours, but you're going to pay. You're going to pay, right? And can you afford to get your money within 24 hours? No, you can't afford it. Well, guess what? Now you're looking at a WePay option. You're looking at uh, a PayWise option. Figaro, Figaro is a is a platform, but they don't do payments. They integrate with FAC or PayPal. So you're still stuck to whatever rules that you have with FAC or PayPal um, utilizing Figaro. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like we have a lot of work to do just as an ecosystem, a digital payments ecosystem. Because we, on one on one on one hand we're talking about the time lag to get your money, and then on another hand we're talking about the, the the amount you have to pay to get your money in a within a reasonable time, and then you look at, at other bigger markets where you could get your money now virtually for free. Yeah, well, you see, but this but this is why, and and, and this is why people don't understand people don't understand what this card, what the color bank card, what this means to our entire ecosystem. The vision of Aldwin Wayne is that when this goes to the public, when your money comes into your WePay wallet, this is getting pushed to your WePay cards instantaneously. That's the vision. That's the goal. So again, when this goes out to the public, right, this is going, this, this is the game. This is the game changer. Because now you're using WePay, no upfront fees, right? Just the transaction fees, and you're getting money. As soon as you click withdraw, the money's to your WePay wallet. If you want the money to go to your bank account, three to 11 days. Or withdraw it to your WePay card, and then use that to, to tap to pay, chuck it into a machine, and withdraw the funds, because the funds are already on your account, however you want to do that. So that's the game changer. All right, so now I want to I want to touch on NCash before we start to look at the outlook for the industry, right, and where it should where it should go. And based on what you just described, I think there's a number of things we could comment on there. All right, so let's talk about Republic Bank's entrance into the market back in 2021 and launched NCash. Now, Republic Bank was actually um, one of the early one of the earlier investors in WePay in very visionary or Alwyn Wayne and his partner Jerry Hadid. So talk to me about the the Encash digital wallet. I listened to your podcast on this. I while listening I held my head, but I mean please <laughs> while, while looking at your blog on it, I held my head again. But you know, let's talk about this. Because I mean ideally when we talk about financial technology and what it's supposed to do for us, right? It's supposed to provide access to financial services for those who don't have as much access to financial services. It's supposed to provide improved customer experience because, again, we're talking about technology versus analog digital or walking to a lot of booth with 15K in cash. It's supposed to improve efficiency through increased competition, and increased competition is also supposed to reduce the cost of 
of doing business because all of these things, all these fees, all this extra time, these time lags, all of that increases the cost of doing business, right? And I mean, one of the big things supposed to provide is enhanced security because again, we're talking about folks' money, right? And you know, at the end of it, we're supposed to have more transparency and access to information because we're using tech. It's supposed to be taking our data and using our data to to provide improved customer service and improved, yeah, improved quality of life just on the, for the banking system. So, talk to me about the about Republic Bank's digital wallet and cash. So, it in, in today in today's landscape, it works and it works really well. I think when they first launched it in 2021, I think everybody downloaded it and deleted it same speed because it was the app was clunky, it was buggy, it was super slow. It just some some people just it just never even worked. Like it downloaded wouldn't even open. So it was a terrible experience overall. And you didn't hear about you didn't hear about NCash until you know two years later, pretty much, right? Now in the version that NCash is in, NCash works very well. Where I think the challenge with NCash is is culture, because once again, we don't have a technology problem. We have a we have a people. We have a culture problem. So now that you when when you do actually have a version of NCash that works well, why aren't more people using it? Like I, if I'm if I'm NCash, I would be going door to door. I would literally be going door to door. And signing up everybody it doesn't it doesn't cost anything to set it up right, but it now enables you now to get people to take more share of your wallet. People are not just going to be relying on cash to do business with you right the other I think the other problem with, with um again cultural you said it digital provides accountability and transparency, and a lot of businesses don't want to be held accountable nor transparent so a lot of businesses a lot of businesses are not taking NCash because they don't want to be accountable. They don't want to be transparent. And if there's businesses, if we don't have businesses jumping on board for NCash, people are not, people are not using it, all right? People are not using it. But the, the, the app itself works well. When I do see people using it, it's a, it's a bit of a toss-up. I, I use NCash in very certain, very certain situations, right? So... I would have to add money to my to my NCash wallet. I personally think that it should be set up that if my my credit card or my Visa debit card is is inside of of NCash, like PayPal, because you have to connect your PayPal accounts, you have to connect your cards to PayPal. But when you make a purchase or send money, PayPal just that just debits the money from your credit card, right? One time, instantaneously. And cash, you have to take an additional step to load money into your wallet. Yes, it's a loading thing. Yeah. Yes. And they charge you to load money into the wallet. So if I am at a place that accepts NCash, but they have a point of sale terminal, I would never use NCash because I would just whip up my card and tap to pay. Right? Seamless. I'm not being charged to use my money, and it's a it's a seamless transaction, faster transaction. If the person, if the if the establishment does not have a a point of sale terminal, and they only have NCash, at that point in time, like if I like like you go one Woodbrook Yard, all of the vendors there have NCash. Thank God. Again, 
Tony, um, what's his name? Mr. Chow? Tony Chow? Tony Chow? Tony Chow? Yeah. Chow Lion. Well, that's his IG, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Chinese laundry. <laughs> Chinese laundry, right? Again, made sure that every vendor has NCash, right? So you can go there. If the person doesn't have a term, a point of sale terminal, you would load up your money in your, in your NCash wallet. And then you can scan their QR code and send the money. That person receives the money now for now, right? And then they can withdraw the money from their NCash wallet and it goes into their bank account. So there is a lot of convenience. However, it's only available for TNT. So whilst what I just said about one rubric yard is very nice, that convenience is only extended to Trinidad and Tobago citizens. Because if you're a foreigner, and that's on Tragreet Road, close to the Oval, right across the street from the Oval, we know it's a high-traffic area for foreigners. Foreigners can come there and will be greatly disappointed that they cannot use their credit cards to make any payments because not everybody there has a point-of-sale terminal. They only have NCash. So the fact that NCash does not allow for international people is a big deterrent. I've seen situations where a FET happened, right? A FET happened and they, the FET had Republic Bank as the, one of the main sponsors. And they were like, digital, we're going to use NCash for the entire event. But the, the, uh, the organizer did not understand digital payments. So when he signed his agreement that NCash would be the sole digital wallet for the FET, he was like, okay, great. This is good. We can now get money from any and everybody. But this was a FET during carnival time. And then when he realized, wait a minute, this NCash thing, this is not, this is only for local people. But 60 to 70% of the people coming in is foreigners. I'm screwed. So when he reached out to WePay, and WePay kind of looked over the contract and they're like, well, no, we're not a digital wallet. We are a payment facilitator. We are not in the same bracket as, as MCash. They had their legal team look it over and they realized, no, it's two different things. They then realized, okay, we can bring WePay in. And then at the end of it, the organizer was like, well, why? What's the value of MCash? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's my next question. That's my, I mean, I'm no, no shade to Republic Bank, of course. But that's my, that's my question. If I have, if we now bring in WePay and WePay, we're giving them terminals, tap to pay terminals that's taken every single card. If we can now accept every single card, then what's the value of NCash? Right? So at that, at that point in time, now, now again, as, as, a, as an e-commerce strategist, the, the, I can tell you the benefits, but then you're going to be looking at it. You're, you're going to have to really weigh it. So if you're in a FET, think about this. You're in... Uh, Indie paint is a, is a, you know, you're getting stinking ducky, right? We pay, you have to bring your wallet in because you got to have your card tap to pay. But NCash, you just bring your phone in. Uh, I mean, all right. I mean, yeah, I, I hear you on that, right? But, but paint flying around. <laughs> So, Karen, early on in this episode, you told me you sold a phone to somebody for $15,000, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, if I, if I pay $15,000 for my phone from Mr. Droid, 
and I'm going to in the paint and people are throwing these red paints and what I don't know if I'm gonna feel all that comfortable just because I could, you know, do my little thing and, and pay, you know. But if I have a little card that I could put in a little something, whatever, I don't care if I get paints on my card, once it works, then boom, all right. There you go. So these are the types of things that people are weighing when they're talking about their their payment solutions. Then you're looking at okay. Is this a food event? Is this because if it's, if take away in the pay, let's just say we were at one Woodbrook Yard, right? Where you could just walk with your phone or again tap to pay. You're just tapping to pay. If I'm at in the paint, I'm thinking, do I want to walk with my car? Do I want to walk with my wallet? Do I walk with my phone? I might own I might have my phone anyway because I might be taking, but those are things that people are gonna be thinking about. But then as an organizer, as a as a company like like a Republic Bank, like these are the things that you gotta have to kind of sell people on and think about consumer behavior at that particular point in time, right? So I would always rather have my bank card and tap to pay. I would always rather, I would always, I would always rather do that because you could always replace your bank card, right? So that's the types of things that we're that we're that we're talking about and you're and you're weighing when you're thinking about those solutions. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, I thank you very much for those for that um for that insight into those four players there and those four products. And 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 then and, and then just just to just to end the point, then you really start thinking about, you know, what is the value of NCash? Uh, right? If the people have other solutions to take payments. Yeah. I mean, so I'm looking on the on the business side, I'm thinking on the investor side. If I'm somebody who wants to finance a player or an up-and-coming uh, up player in this market, or if I'm somebody looking to start a business in this market, we know where is the value, right? So from the digital wallet um, business model you described, where, you, where the user will have to pay load fees and transfer fees and whatnot, and it's on, you're only able to spend how much you load, you're only able to load a certain amount so you're restricted in transaction size and all of that you're, re you're also restricted in use cases and then if i'm to put on my investor hat all right so how far so we're talking about digital wallets in the caribbean talking about loads and all the restrictions and all of that investment is a numbers game in large part right so if you have that restricted population so if a trader that a lot of restriction <laughs> or one, right? As one one point four million dollar population. Let's say you have adoption of ten percent to be generous. So one hundred forty thousand people have it. You're talking about low transaction volume. It's not going to get an investor excited. But if you're talking about a payment facilitator, which we pay is, where no matter what, they just allow you to make payments. It could be online, offline. You have my, you have the neo bank that's just going to come out soon or whatnot. I think then you're playing in the then your, your addressable market is essentially the transaction volume that takes place in, within, and from the Caribbean. So I think you're looking at a, a bigger market there. So, I mean, as we get to the... And, and, that, and that's, why, that's why Mr. Wayne has never been worried. Yeah, no, he's very calm. I, I said, yeah, <laughs> he's very calm. <laughs> because the decisions, that, the, the decisions that the other players are making are not remotely coming close to what they are putting together. And again, the decisions that they have made in NCash, there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. But we, the consumer, we don't want to think about any of those things. We just want to tap to pay, right? 
abroad, and I'm sure you're probably seeing this, the banks allow you to connect your virtual bank cards to your devices, your watch, your phone. You don't have to load nothing. You just tap to pay. And that's that. Yeah. But I mean, I would say on the Encash front, so Republic Bank is a whole bank. It's the biggest bank in the, arguably the biggest bank in the Caribbean region. So I, I don't think they're necessarily worried from in that standpoint. But if you're to look on their pure Encash standpoint, then I think they have some work to do. Yeah. And we see, and again, this is, this is, this, if there was a, if there was somebody at the helm that understood the payment space and understood e-commerce and understood the growth as to where this could go, and that would look completely different. They would move completely different. Republic Bank, we have somebody here who you need, you should probably put on your payroll. I think two people. <laughs> I, think you, I, think you, I think you gotta bring in. I think you bring in a Kevin Valley. I think you. I think you bring that in. Oh, Ooh. well, maybe we, we, we'll see. You know, we could talk. <laughs> we could talk. We could talk. I. I've seen what you said on the um on the HR and hiring industry, but yeah, that's another podcast. <laughs> but all right. So, all right. Lastly, in line with 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 the research objectives which I outlined earlier, right? How do you see the future? of digital payments shaping up in Trinidad and Tobago and I guess throughout the broader region and what opportunities do you foresee for business owners and investors in the sector? Mm. So that's a very it's a very good question. I think the biggest hurdle for us is to get people using the technology that we already have, right? We haven't taken advantage of the tools that we that we all ready have so to just start to add new technology because i think that's what i think that's where we are headed to i think we're just going to start adding new technology new features new things and people haven't even understand uh step one all right so because the lack of public education is happening i think we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have more technology than we know what to do with and it's going to be underutilized tremendously because nobody is taking the time out to properly and thoroughly educate both the businesses as to how to integrate this into your business processes because e-commerce has its own workflow. It has its own business processes that are very different than your normal day-to-day business processes for transactions offline. It's very different. The, the behaviors of people to get them to buy something online are very, very different than somebody trying to make a purchase with you uh, offline, right? Um, so one, the education of the business sector has to happen. It, it hasn't happened. It's not happening at all. And I'm really worried about that. The second thing is businesses are not investing in a lot of new tech. Because they're looking at it like, okay, so let's just say I invest into all this e-commerce. Let's, in, let's say I invest in the team to manage and push our e-commerce. Because these are new people. These are new skills that need to be added to the company. So more payroll, more overheads. Okay, we add all this stuff. Do, is, do we have the clientele to balance this out? Do people know how to shop online? And that is another big hurdle because... Look, we're in September now. Up to, Kevin, up to July of this year, First Citizens Bank was now was, was, had, a, had a notice on their website saying, hey, as of July uh, 15th, 
the old Lynx cards, the Magstripe cards are no longer being effective. You can only use the, 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 um, the new chip card. All right? So that just happened. We still have the majority of the population who does not know how to use their new Visa debit cards online. So we're going to get all this new technology, right? We're seeing it coming. We're hearing a lot of names coming out. But we're going to have a lot, of new, a lot of new technology. But the public education has to happen aggressively and happen fast because institutions are already starting in the hole where there's no trust or very low trust. They're going to have to start educating people in order to learn how to utilize these things. And you're not going to get everybody. But if you can move, the, if you can get 15% of the population utilizing all the digital tools, then that's going to start to free up your offline stores, your the, the, the banking lines are going to go down. It's going to start to free up a lot of things. But I think the opportunity gap is the businesses that do learn e-commerce who are probably struggling or, or trying their best to make all their money through traditional means, or you're trying to... We know that in Trinidad right now, everybody's complaining about the cost of living. People haven't gotten raises. Salaries haven't gone up since... 2013, some people, 2005, all kind of madness, right? People don't have the disposable income that they did. If you're a business and you're only relying on the money you can get from Trinidad, the, the opportunity for your business now is to start to open your brand up and your business up to the global market. So you can still get people locally, but now you're tapping into the international marketplace to start gaining commerce internationally. So I think that's the biggest opportunity gap that I want every business to know. You're not limited to just Trinidad. You've been in Trinidad for how long? There was a point in time where you realized, yo, the majority of your money (laughs) is coming from outside of Trinidad. Outside of Trinidad. The majority of the people who sign my checks are not in Trinidad. So if we were limited, if we were limited to only the money we can make in Trinidad, it'd have been it'd have been salt. It, we would have been hurting. Yeah, that would have been rough. It would have been rough. You know, I remember, I remember, I think a year or two ago, where you're like, "Hey, I have I have multiple currencies accounts." Okay, <laughs> I get paid in I get paid in Finnish dollars. I get paid in. I take in everything. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Oh man! That is the um, e-commerce. Really, is the great equalizer to me. Like the internet, the internet was the great equalizer, and I think the evolution of that now is e-commerce. Where now you really can get paid from any and everybody anywhere in the world at any time of the day and caribbean businesses have not realized that as yet we have the technology right more is coming but you need to learn how the technology works so that you can integrate into your business and now all the new fancy features and things that are coming out those are just going to be add-ons where you already have your your business practices in place 100 percent. you know i think the key takeaways there is really that we need to incentivize adoption of these um, on these digital payment systems, you need to, and by doing in, in so doing, we'll need to increase education of this. So this this is why what you do is so important. I mean, I look at your, I'm looking at your content. Your, I'm, I'm, I send some of your content to my to my research team when I, in preparing this research. You know, like yeah, I literally just that. did that while you were talking. I was like, All right. <laughs> and you know what? And and that is always that's always funny to hear and dope to hear because Kevin. 
I have seen my content in the strangest places. I have seen my content show up in court documents. I have seen it being used in central bank documents. I have seen it being circulated in engineering industries. It's been amazing to see where all of this talk about digital marketing, e-commerce, building a digital presence, uh, see, like, it's just everything. It's, just been, it's been really amazing to see where all the information shows up. It's, 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 been, it's been great. So again, we started off talking about why I made the switch. I would have never have made this impact talking about smartphones. So to see the impact and to see where it's going and the opportunities that it's been creating for me has really been special. And let me ask you this. What is the most important thing that we did not touch on in this, in this episode? The most important thing we did not touch on. Um, I think we covered the, 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 the main, the main things, right? To me, the main things to, to really push e-commerce and, and digital payments within the space is one, the education, because we have a lot of technology that's not being utilized already. And then I think, I mean, and this, and this is where I think this is a conversation with, with the Aldwins, the Chris Burns. We don't know what the limitations are of these central banks. We don't know what, we don't know what's keeping back a lot of the progress. Right. So me, I will speak on what is available and I will teach on what we can use. And if we have if there's workarounds because we're getting blocked for certain things, I try to find those things out. But I think I think the biggest thing that we did not cover, but the conversation wouldn't be for me, would be what is the keep back with a lot of the technology that because again, we we spoke about the color card. Why don't we, what is holding back the color card? Why do I have a physical card, but the rest of the, of the Caribbean doesn't? What is holding us back? And I think that conversation needs to, gear, needs to be geared towards the, the tech guys, you know, who's running the companies, what is holding me back? And also legally, like if, if, there's, if there's a lawyer that is specializing in the financial industry, into fintech, you know, I would love to hear the conversation about legally what is happening, what is holding us back, because it just feels like there's red tape upon red tape upon red tape, but we're not getting the answers as to why the red tape is there or what are you doing to start to change things. We hear, like the other day, Minister of, Minister of Finance of Trinidad and Tobago. Minister of Finance. Minister of Finance jumps in Parliament and was asked a question about when are we going to get digital checks? And the checks is what, he, what they were referring to is, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it, the checks is how with, with the banking apps abroad, you, could go into the, you can go into the app. If you get a check, a physical check, you take a picture of the check, and that deposits the money, right? And... Mr. Imbert's like, we're not ready. Full stop. We're, we're not ready. We have no plans. We have no plans of, pull that, of putting that into Trinidad. We are not ready. We don't have the, the framework or the legal stuff. We're not ready. We're, so we're not doing it. But sir, it's your job to get us ready. 
And because that's the mindset of the people in 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 the real powers of, of decision making, again, we're we're held back. You're limited into what can be done. So for our conversation as to you know what is available, how does things work? I think we covered it. The next, the next iteration of this conversation needs to be what is holding us back. There's a lot of basic things like the like, like the digital imaging of checks. Why isn't this a, a why isn't this a matter of utmost importance? You know, much people are lining up every day to go and deposit a check, whether it be at the ATM or in the fast deposit, that's still traffic coming into, that's still traffic on the roads. We don't take into consideration that because we are not a digital society, this adds so much volume to traffic being on the road. This adds physical foot traffic into your banks, into your stores. That, do, that It doesn't need to happen, right? So we want to talk about traffic management, we need to talk, talk. We need to start talking about digitization, digitization of so many of these services that would then take people off the roads, right? So the legal conversation of fintech, I think, is a major conversation because we need to understand what is keeping us back and why isn't the government getting us ready? Because they're paying a lot of lip service, but there's still a lot of legal stuff that has to get worked out. And then from a, from a technology standpoint, I would love to hear about, you know, what is next and what is holding innovation back within the Caribbean? Because we don't have a Venmo. We don't have Zelle. What are these things? We don't have any of that, right? Oh, God, it's life, you know? And apparently the loading of the cards, apparently the loading of the cards with NCash is a legal thing. Not even a technology thing. It's a legal thing. The main thing that's keeping us back. I mean, aside from aside from adoption and education, is regulation essentially. All right, that is stifling innovation. So the public education is a big thing because we're not we're not even we're not even using what we already have. But in terms of the innovation of products, the the conversation always comes back to the legality and what can be done under the rules that we currently have in place, and then you know. What is the government doing to change a lot of those rules to to help us move forward? So that's really where I think the conversation has to go next. And again, that's conversations that I would love to hear because, you know, what's next? I don't know what's next when the legal framework is still the same. Podcast world, there you have it. The show statement in Subscribe to the value at the value.show slash subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Castbox, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And with that, Caron, we are out. <laughs> he knows it. He knows it too well. All right. Till next episode, guys.